that it would definitely make me tear up is um, Dance with My Father, Luther Vandross. Um, I can't say that I feel the same way. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Papa Culture Podcast. Uh, my name is Anton. And I'm John. And we are two dads who talk about pop culture and entertainment and, you know, basically the stuff that we like. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of uh, talk about it through the lens of fatherhood and identify whether or not our roles as dads kind of impact how we consume all these fun things that we like. So this is episode six. Uh, um, if you've been with us uh, for a few episodes now, thank you. If, if you're brand new, hopefully uh, we've gotten the hang of it enough that we'll be able to keep you guys. Do I hear crying, by the yeah, way? Yeah, you do hear crying. <laughs> Hold on one second. Yeah. All right, special guest, rest of the pod. All right, our co-host. Our co-host and uh, harshest critic, Ellis Aranzana oh. Delfino. Yeah, he started crying right when we started, so not off to a great start so far. <laughs> we talked uh, in our last episode that we were nearing Father's Day now that mm-hmm. now that it's post Father's Day, um, what did you do? I didn't do much of. Oh, basically, it was a regular weekend. We just kicked it with different people, kicked it with some of our common friends, and you know, all of them had kids or have kids. So there was just a lot of kid time with other kids. That's cool. For the whole weekend, which is always fun because one, obviously there are friends for a reason, so we enjoy their time, but it was also uh, cool to have that moment on, you know, just the, the obligatory holiday. <laughs> and I'm actually I'm enjoying my Father's Day gift right now. Hung bought me some, uh, some Kentucky rye uh, whiskey. Oh, dude, maybe I should go get some right now, too. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's warming my my throat, so hopefully I... Speaking somewhat clearly and also not start slurring. I noticed I, st- I was slurring at the last... In our last episode, and... Well, that's because we time. talked for like two and a half hours. So well, yeah, that's what the thing is. Like, I was drinking wine, but I don't think it was the wine. It was actually just being hella tired. Right, right. <laughs> But hey, you should go if you want to go um, grab some. It's helping me out. Well, I got I got baby Ellis right here trying to. Oh, sleep, that's right. So I, I think I'm good right now. Um, what did you do for Father's Day? Actually, it was a uh, it was a weird Father's Day for me. You know, I think uh, I mentioned last time that I was uh, helping out 
my my buddy Patricio on his feature film, and uh, actually Father's Day was one of the um, one of the days we were scheduled to shoot. So uh-huh. I spent the day um, working as a grip on set uh, with actually two other fathers, Patricio himself, who's a writer director. <laughs> Yeah, Ellis is mad that I wasn't around for Father's Day, I guess. Yeah, and Ellis wasn't feeling... Th- no, he wasn't. His bad memories. Yeah. <laughs> chill, chill, dude. Chill, dude. Um, yeah. Uh, so it was cool. Like, it was... It's. It's been kind of a really long time since I've kind of lived the life of a freelance crew member, film crew member. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was basically the last, um, this was basically the last, uh, shoot before it goes on a hiatus. They're going to be shooting mm-hmm. some dates in, um, in LA and then coming back at the end of July for maybe like one, one last weekend of shooting. So, yeah. um, so yeah, it was, uh, it, it was kind of nice to kind of be in the trenches with with like the film crew and and, and stuff like that so yeah. it was uh it was a it was a weird father's day but it, but it was good it was good like the day before actually um tess's uh was tess's big like summer company party where they mm-hmm. where they book uh at&t park and throw, oh. throw a concert um she works for huli for huli yeah <laughs> That's that's great. Yeah, I I just uh, are, are do you watch Silicon Valley? No, I watched like the first three episodes. Not completely uh, focused on it. I I want to watch it, but it's I just haven't. Funny. Yeah, it's yeah. it's funny. This season's kind of been on and off. It's it feels yeah. like the same the same thing happens every season for Silicon Valley. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's like the same thing, but anyway, um, yeah. So that was kind of like a, I guess, a pre Father's Day celebration. It was it was pretty cool. Um, Ellis didn't come with us. Uh, we hoped mm. we hoped to be able to actually catch the musical acts this time around, um, but alas, we got stuck on the um, the upper deck because that's where all of the bouncy houses were and Ginny wanted mm. to do like every single one of them. Yes. And, and it was during um like of the lineup the only one I really wanted to see uh was Weezer and mm-hmm. they happened to start playing right when Ginny was in all the bounce houses so <laughs> kind of a tough sell to get her off and uh but it was cool. It was yeah. you know. Yeah. It was cool. Who else were the other performers? Let's see. Who opened? Oh, Aloe Black opened. Okay. All right. And then it was Weezer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kelly Clarkson. Okay. Yeah, I think there were only three acts. Those are pretty... Yeah, last year was dope. Like last year was like the fortieth anniversary, so it was like a huge affair, and that was my first time. And last year was One Republic opened, and mm-hmm. not a huge fan. The right. Killers 
were mm-hmm. next. And that was great. I'd never seen the Killers before. And they played like basically all the hits. So that was mm-hmm. pretty dope. And then Pink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Justin Timberlake was like the headliner last oh, year. Dang. So it was kind of like, all right, so this is my first one. It's the 40th anniversary. You know, th- this is probably the the best of these summer concerts. Yeah. The best lineup. And it was weird because uh, I think every year rumors start to fly the week of, of like, oh, who it might be. <laughs> and it's kind of like a fun game because like last year, right after the concert, we're like, oh, man, okay, who do we think could be the guest for the following year or like the, the, the act for the following year. And you know, it can't be someone who's like super popular. You know, uh, Justin Timberlake was a, uh, that was kind of like a special, a special thing. Cause it was like anniversary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think they've had like Katy Perry in the past, um, like imagine dragon. So people mm-hmm. who are like pretty big, but not huge, like Beyonce or, yeah or anything like that right so we were kind of like going through different acts that that would make sense yeah and i remember last year thinking like oh maybe like megan trainer or something because she had like some uh-huh. hits and it would make sense and you know it has to be something that's poppy right. and it might be like a, a band from the 2000s or late 90s who are who have like a really solid catalog yeah. you know like the killers and like weezer that stuff yeah. kind of made sense but then this year, I think in the days leading up to to the the big concert, Tess came home and they're like, okay, we heard that it was, there was a rumor that it was Ed Sheeran and Gwen Stefani. Okay. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Those names are like, you know, he's, he's that that's a pretty popular dude. Uh-huh. Not whatever, not really a big fan. Gwen Stefani has had a pretty decent catalog Mm -hmm. you know kind of still staying relevant with the voice and all you know and general appeal yeah yeah definitely definitely general appeal but those were completely off so I think next year I want to try and convince Tess to start a rumor (laughs) just to like you know know. anyway it was pretty cool like AT&T Park was pretty much open you know, I think nice. if you go if you go in early enough, you can go through to like the the clubhouse and maybe just like walk through. You can go to the batting cages. You can hang out in the dugouts. Um, we didn't actually get to go yeah, on the no. field, but it seemed like it was pretty cool. We got to go down like Ginny wanted to go down the slide on the like the Coke bottle slides. Oh yeah, yeah. There's like maybe three or four slides, so she wanted to do that. So it was fun. So- it, was, it was a fun, it was a fun, fun day. Was that your first time you got to do? You had a chance to do that at AT and C Park, or yeah. have you been to Fan Fest before? No, oh, no, this was the first time. Yeah, this was the first time. I've never been to Fan Fest or anything like that. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I mean, even last year when we went, we didn't really get to do much. We maybe mm-hmm. just like watched some of the acts, you know, and then basically stayed in like the the kid area. We yeah. didn't get there early enough to try and get to the dugout or whatever, um, but it was cool. Cool. That's, that's a pretty cool uh, Father's Day experience, being a Giants fan, a big Giants fan. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Although at least I, haven't, you didn't, I haven't been watching the Giants because they've been sucking. Yeah. Well, at least that day you didn't watch them lose at AT&T Park. That's true. 
could have been worse. <laughs> could have been worse. <laughs> they probably lost though. Uh, hey, they yeah. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> Whatever, man. I'm still basking in the championship afterglow of the Warriors, so I'm good, yep. man. I'm good. That'll that that'll that'll cover a few months. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And so you were talking about music acts at AT&T Park because of the company party that Tess had. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually what we're going to talk about today is some is, is about music and this idea of dad rap. Right. I hate that term, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't really actually understand what oh, I had a. I had a definition of my in my head and I realized that the article that we read that I read more clearly to prepare for the episode defined it differently than what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. So w- what I was thinking is with the idea of quote unquote dad rap would be not these random dads who don't, who aren't rappers who aren't MCs, on YouTube writing corny jokes or corny songs. So so basically like dad jokes but but actually dad yeah. dad rapping yeah. or dad raps or whatever. Yeah. Well what I was thinking was the 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 MCs that we grew up with. Yeah. Like Nas, De La Soul, Tribe, the ones that are still making music now adapting their style or adapting their content to not everything about fatherhood but reflecting more of their life changes because they are dads including jay-z um so that's what i thought of what what dad rap was Mm -hmm. but i realized when reading the article which was is on fatherly.com that that's not what that article defined dad rap as Right. Right. To me, what I took away was that the definition of dad rap is basically what you're listening to as a dad. And that directly coincides with the rap songs and the hip hop tracks that you listened to while you were growing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kind of talked about this earlier, like maybe in our first or second episode um, we were referencing just having listened to Kendrick Lamar, that mm-hmm. album, and you know me feeling a little bit disconnected and 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 basically me admitting that if I'm listening to hip hop, it's the stuff that I loved listening to when I was in high school and early college, right? You know, right? And it was it was funny that we were having that discussion, just the two of us. And then here's this article that basically cements that it's a young person's game. And so the, what the, the big MCs or folks that would be creative right now, even if they're dope or folks that we may not want to listen to at all, they're going to be talking about stuff that, reflects their age which is going to be probably between what, 19 and 28 right yeah 
so regardless of if regardless if the the craft or the beat or the flow or the lyrics are dope we can respect it from a artistic level but just can't vibe with it on a content level yeah and then that would make it harder to listen to right yeah for sure and then yeah it's it was also interesting because the BET awards were just uh, mm. uh, this is just this past Sunday, yeah. And um, and I watched it. I haven't watched an, a, a music award show in man. I don't even know how long. Mm-hmm. It's it's. I don't know why, but I just figured, hey, let's let's just go check it out. Yeah. Um. And it was. It was weird. You know, like just seeing all these acts that I'd maybe heard about um, and maybe just snippets of songs as as it's going through the radio and and things like that. And just, you know, just seeing the crowd like like singing the lyrics and like kind Mm -hmm. of bobbing their heads and kind of dancing. And I was like, you know, I talked about this before, but um, like the, the mumbly slow trappy Mm -hmm. songs like it just doesn't seem like something that would inspire me to get up and start dancing or anything like that yeah yet it happens and people do do it uh yeah because it's their thing i mean this is that's that's their sound yeah that's the thing and it was it was funny too because i think i had posted this on facebook and twitter but sometimes i hear about popular rap songs these days through mm-hmm. internet memes yeah yeah you know like that uh that huge song with the mannequin challenge that you saw on instagram and on youtube and all that stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, who was that was that a future song wrong person to ask <laughs> maybe it's not future i know it, it's called black beetles oh no that's ray shremert or something like that anyway okay um, all right yeah that black beetle song i was like what is this like? I'm I'll always associated with that mannequin challenge meme yeah. thing, right? Right. Um, yeah. Or man. like I, there's a a group called Migos, right? Right. Right. That's their name. Yes. They have one big song, particularly because of the Atlanta TV show. With Donald Glover, right, right. Which which, which song was that? I, I uh, uh, again, wrong person. I, I don't know, right. like Bad and Bougie or something like that. I don't know, something like that. Oh, was that from Atlanta? I, don't I know. think so. I yeah, probably. And I mean, they they may have had a song before that. I, obviously, I don't know. Right, right. But yeah, it's, it's I I I want to watch Atlanta. I've only watched one episode of it. I really liked it a lot. I just took a break because I I I missed the. I missed the episode on my DVR and then I erased the DVR because we changed changed right, right. providers. But anyway, I really want to watch it and I will, but that group, but then I see them all over Twitter. Yes. Yes. With with the people I follow, there's, you know, jokes, not at their expense, but it's just like references to them. Right. And that's the only reason I know who they are yeah and you know it's like so i got booked to to dj like a 40th birthday party 
later um sometime in july right and you know i'm i'm sitting here and i'm like all right well there might be uh there might be a chance that i'll have to play some of the more current stuff the stuff that i don't really know or even particularly like so i'm sitting here trying to go through and search for songs and that's kind of partly why i watch the bet awards it's just like all right cool like, what are the what are these kids into and granted again it's a 40 40 year old birthday party um or 40th birthday party for three girls who grew up in san jose who have the probably very similar musical taste to mine which is why i got hired to do it right um and i'll probably be playing mostly the stuff that i would like to listen to Mm-hmm. If I was going to a 40th birthday party, but right, like so for real, Candy Rain. Yeah, that's right, Candy Rain. <laughs> specifically requested, um, BBD Poison. Um, you know who was actually there at the BET Awards because of the new edition thing. Right. Um, we can talk about that a little bit later if you want to, but right. um, <clears throat> yeah. So I kind of have to kind of stay up at least at least know what's popular. Yeah. You know, and yeah. maybe have it like have yeah. a, have a file. So, you know, I spent the last couple of weeks just kind of saying, all right, you know, what's popular? Is it this new Drake song or like all these DJ Khaled tracks and right. You know, you know, which, which was, you know, speaking of DJ Khaled real quick and the whole mm-hmm. dad thing, like so he was there he performed one of his tracks i think he closed the night and you know he's promoting his new album called grateful mm-hmm. and then I, I guess he had listed his he's a new dad yeah and he listed yep. his uh son as daughter like a, or daughter as a like executive daughter. producer or something right right right, um, right and he kept saying like it's his best work and he attributes it to like being a dad and i was like oh right. Yeah, that's uh, coincidentally right in line with kind of what we're talking about. Right. Well, it's funny you bring up DJ Khaled because he's one of these artists that obviously I, I, he's also one of these folks I know mostly from internet memes and Twitter. <laughs> and another one. Yeah, and like yeah, those things and any of his songs or not. I wish I obviously I, I was looking. And I, I, I do know some of the songs, but I didn't know that that's DJ Khaled. But I was listening to that song that he recorded for his daughter with Chance the Rapper uh-huh. uh, earlier today. Just to, as I was going through different lists and Googling hip hop songs and fatherhood. Right. But yeah, he, 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 he popped up. As one of those folks that obviously he's really big, right? He's, I mean, it's he's one of this generation's pretty well-known, successful producers, yeah, commercial producers. And uh, but I, I couldn't tell you, any, I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't name any of his songs until I saw it earlier today, right? Um, yeah, it's, it, it, I, I, I was, I took a deeper look into him because basically kind of what you said is that he pop and fatherhood and that's something uh, as a more recent example of it, he popped up. 
right. with Chance the Rapper, which I've listened to Chance the Rapper's uh, coloring book. Is it uh, album? That, that, that's really good, but I didn't know anything at all about DJ Khaled. As a side note, in doing my research, Nas also listed his daughter as the executive producer or some kind of producer level of Stillmatic, which he released about 15 years ago. Yeah. And so she would always have royalties to her name on that album. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty dope. Or, or I saw it on YouTube, so I don't know if that's true or not. I have to probably, I probably have to uh, confirm that. But fake news, bro. Fake news, real fake news. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting, kind of watching the BET Awards, mm-hmm. um, and you know that thinking about the idea that you had mentioned earlier from the articles that we were reading about, you know, like hip hop's a a young man's game or um, it's more related to youth than it is to like older people. Right. And then you realize that, you know, hip hop's like, uh, what, 35 years old now or something? Yeah. Well, let's say 40 years old late 70s if you want to be you know generous with the actual roots of it yeah Yeah. so that's that's 40 years now so you know seeing like a lifetime achievement award given to new edition and you know for so many of obviously us who are you know fans of the music but even to kind of the rest of the artists that were represented there at the bt awards you know, particularly the ones that are kind of in our generation, Mm -hmm. like seeing the Lifetime Achievement and go to them and kind of what New Edition represented um, to to basically all artists. uh, You know, they were saying that uh, it was funny because they show this little this little video clip where they they were interviewing like new kids on the block and they're like yo we wouldn't be there without new edition insane mm-hmm. mm-hmm. wouldn't be around backstreet boys you know right and you know if i recall growing up it was like new edition and like menudo you would like kind of see mm-hmm. you know there's like the the brown menudo the brown people and <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then darker brown with uh, with new edition, right? And it was um, yeah, it was it was weird to kind of watch that, you know that uh, that kind of presentation in that context. Yeah. How so? Uh, just the fact they're getting old is, uh, is, yeah, is yeah. the main yeah. part. Is that that's the main part of it, right? Like, right. You know, and then they showed like. Uh, clips of the the videos that i remember watching when i was a kid um yeah and 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 you know like i kind of got sad a little bit because i saw bobby brown up there Mm -hmm. and um you know everyone's voices still sound really really good 
Yeah. Bobby Brown, like he sounds like he's he he like legit sounds like he's had a rough life, and he has, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has. Um, especially the last few years with Whitney Houston and then their daughter, and that's like it. It, it was kind of like it was really sad actually watching him. Yeah. Um. And they kept talking about how, you know, they've been around for 35 years and like lots of ups and downs. <laughs> it, mm. it was it was like obvious that they had like lots of beefs probably within over the years and they definitely weren't shy about calling that out. Yeah. Did you watch the movie or the VH1? Movie? No, I I wanted to watch it. I don't have BET anymore, so I, I can't unless it's on Netflix or something. But I heard a lot about it through our friends because they a lot of them watched it and were talking about it around yeah. us yeah so did they did they like call out pebbles no no uh they did like a little tribute thing and then the the cast from the movie like the different age like the different stages of of the band i think they came out and like like uh somebody like the the younger kids performed like the earlier songs so then like the the teenagers came out to do like the later songs or whatever yeah um i you know i think it's pretty cool that they maybe i mean obviously it's cross promotion because bet made that movie but i mean that entire show is is cross promotion dude right (laughs) well yes that's why you have war shows but for the that's true the the uh lifetime achievement i was even with new edition they're kind of older than than what award shows usually uh would honor in terms of lifetime achievement because they've been pretty much out of the spotlight for a really 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 long time until this that that biopic that's true I mean, you'd hear about like tours, or yeah, think about, small like, shows here and there, but right. Have you seen? And the thing is, like, they're pretty much. They're. I mean, their livelihood. I mean, they have a tour for for nostalgia, but right. They're not. If they were actively creating music right now, right, right, right. And then if they were not completely living off of that special nostalgia moment then they'd they'd be running the the county fair circuit or the the cruise circuit apparently oh, right right or casino circuit right apparently the nukes on the block and backstreet boys like they do cruises yeah yeah i think i have a facebook friend who's like yeah. all up in that <laughs> and, it's, and it, it, it's fascinating it makes sense because it's like for who who's going to be going on cruises now I mean, there's obviously older people, but like it's it's going to be people our age and a little bit older than this, and who can afford it, you know, right? I'm sure that's so, not cheap. And like, B, I don't know if they do it anymore, but BET used to do hip hop honors, and oh yeah, VH1. I, I think we're I think they're oh, all VH1. like related, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So VH1 was doing hip hop honors, and the first two years they had really really solid on classes right mm-hmm. and then a few years afterwards they they were still pretty strong but then they started you know honoring folks that weren't even that old like ja Rule? um 
maybe I, I, talking about 911 <laughs> um but yeah so it, it, it's it's cool that they they from their own volition i guess because they they created the that biopic but it's cool that they honored new edition because they do have such a strong influence on on pop music and the boy band thing and r&b yep um and then like bobby brown and bins in particular that had such a strong bobby brown was like the 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 top pop r&b guy for a few years right like that don't be cruel and dance you know it those that remix album and he that was, was Ghostbusters too, man. Like that's when he was made Ghostbusters it. too. And then Michael Bivens produced a whole mess of people that pretty much just um, helped define, or were like one or two steps or derivatives away. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's good that they. It's nice that they were able to be honored before they were like way too old, because <laughs> you know obviously they're they're te- they they were teetering on irrelevance until the 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 movie or the miniseries yeah i mean i don't know about irrelevance like i i think there's always i think everyone despite whatever you know out of the studio or non-music related issues that Bobby Brown is going through. I feel like new edition is all always looked upon reverently, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. So yeah, they might not be, they might not be relevant. Yeah. um, But I think everyone still looks upon them fondly, like whenever they do come up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a joke. Like, Oh, what about like if, I don't know if 90 day, 98 degrees mm-hmm. somehow like cropped up and then, yeah. you know, that's, there's no reverence there. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah so the the, well, the nostalgia. Anyway. I don't, right. don't, don't want to speak for you. <laughs> the hardest thing is one of my, um, my top song, but, um, yeah, <laughs> the one, the joke, one but... where they're, um, <laughs> The uh, the one where there's a video of them on an island and they're wearing the uh, camo camo flak jackets. Oh shoot! I don't know what is that? Una noche? I think it's that one. Oh shoot! The, the one night. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> Bi- bilingual, yo. Yeah, because they're you know Miami or wherever they're from Cincinnati because they're from Cincinnati, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but yeah, no new edition the the nostalgia and reverence for them. Like they, they're actually, it's not even reverence. It's a, they're endearing in terms of the, what, what they make us feel, the, the fans of them feel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, because of, I mean, they had some pretty, uh, music era defining songs. Right. And, Mr. Telephone Man, yeah. Candy Rain, or like Can- Candy Girl, Candy Girl, sorry, Candy Girl, and then there's, um, if it isn't love, love, he poison is, you know, it's gonna go down as one of the 
top songs from our generation. Absolutely. Period. Right? There's like, you know, when, when you do your DJ gig, you throw on Poison, you're going to have everybody. Yeah, and, and that's oh. that's one that you save for like, you don't play that in the beginning of the of the yeah. night. Like that's towards yeah. the end when everyone's already like a little tipsy and yeah. everyone's just really feeling it. Like you throw that on and yeah. Every, and you know what's weird is I really thought that that song was for our generation, mm-hmm. but I've been to parties where DJs who are ten years younger than me. Um, still throw that on, and then mm-hmm. like even their their age group still kind of goes off, yeah, and really enjoys it. And I don't know for for some reason it just doesn't make sense to me. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean whatever it it's it's, it's a yeah. dope song. It's a it's a huge banger. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a guaranteed get the party going yeah or putting it on the next level kind of song for yeah i also suppose that's probably like if we hear like a like a prince song or a michael jackson song like Mm -hmm. those came out way before we Mm -hmm. were in in high school but if that plays that you know yeah we still feel the vibe or whatever well yeah and that's that's kind of like the whole that's that is evidence of how how good that song is that it it was new jack swing or coming out of new jack swing but it shows yeah it hits with all generations obviously it's going to be big for us who were in middle school or high school maybe early college at the time when we had dances to go to and we're going to have performances to do um, but there's some songs that cross generations, like you were saying, like with Michael Jackson, right? Um, you know, Beatles, some other things that, yeah, very that true. that era, even if it's very Nietzsche to that era, really vibe with you. You know, the other thing I was thinking about when I was talking about that with New Edition too is that you know how now. Well, maybe not so much now. The people are still doing it, but I don't know what. Ten years ago, between five and ten years ago, people brought back the whole keeping the sticker on their their flat bill caps. Yes. New edition. Well, I know they weren't the only ones, but New Edition was wearing the tags For, on their starter caps. On their starter caps. Mm-hmm. Way way back when. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think. Well, we know because we we were watching those award shows when we were kids, but uh, I don't think a lot of people that are that are or were doing that whole sticker thing recognize that that was a remix from New Jack Swing days. Actually, BBD, sorry, BBD was doing that. Well, it, it was. It wasn't. I guess it just wasn't just them because I remember. Did yeah. you ever watch um, Pump It Up? You know what the hmm. show is. Maybe. Well, it was basically a. Uh, it was like a one-hour music show 
that aired maybe Saturday night at either 11.30 or 12.30. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was pretty dope. It was a, there was a female host. I can't remember. I'll have to Google it or whatever. But it was basically just interviews with hip-hop artists. So it, it oh, and yeah, then they yeah. played music videos and then, you know, music videos and interviews. And it was a really, really, really dope show. And I think that's what made me really get into like East Coast hip hop at the time because I was getting exposed to, um, you know, like uh, groups like Main Source and, you know, kind of like the fringe, right. the right. fringe native tongue crew you know instead of just like um instead of just tribe called quest you know like i'd like see the jungle brothers right i'd see like black sheep and then leaders yeah. of the new school videos yeah and then from there i'd watch like third base and then mm-hmm. um i used to love third base actually um, yeah and then like kmd and anyway like just like the the really all the golden era mm-hmm. folks from from that side it was um it's pretty cool i miss yeah. that they it, don't they don't really do that anymore d barnes was the host I'm, i, I yes. just uh, googled it yes. and d barnes is uh also the person who a for some i, I forgot what reason but that was some of the drama around the straight out of Compton movie since he was one of the producers that they didn't show everything, obviously, because. Right, right. Anyway, that's the, the other kind of tangent for that. But actually, you know, as we're talking about that, I think about Dr. Dre a little bit when we go back to the idea of the whole dad rap in terms of what I was thinking. Okay. Um, and not so much talking about dad stuff, but the idea of growing older with hip-hop not only as consumers or the people that are fans and listening and buying music but the people who are creating music and i because i always thought about dr dre because he's he he always had these big ideas for these big records and you know like the whole detox thing has it it never came out there's always delays and at some point, like as a an artist, you can't listen to some guy talking about what he was talking about when he was twenty years old, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and 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 that can become a little, uh, maybe problematic for some fans because you know, like we. So, I, I, as another example, so think about the roots, right? Right. When they came out, obviously their style was pretty raw even with the live music, it's very Philly, very deep East coast who I wouldn't have known anything about the roots if I didn't pick up a rap pages. Okay. Um, right. And so, you know, it's a super deep East coast sound. Um, and at some point, obviously they, they joined up with late night with Jimmy Fallon and went to tonight show and, you know, some people would be saying, uh, would say, like, oh, they totally sold out. Their music's totally changed. So then, like, I always thought, well, to me, it makes sense because as an artist, you probably get tired of writing the same 
same kind of music as you were when you were 20 or if you were 18 or 16, right? Yeah, for sure. And besides, um, like, these guys got families. Like, you know, who's going who's gonna to turn right. down like a steady job? Like, Yeah, well, and that's the thing too. It's like, well, shoot, they they don't have to travel anymore. I mean, they could do tours when they want to, but exactly. They can take a train from New York to Philly if they happen to still live in Philly or wherever they live and they're good. Like they can see their families regularly. Well, I, I, the other things I remember reading some kind of article once about De La Soul. This is like in mid early to mid two thousands. And they were calling they're being called like grown grown up rap or dad rap and it was a, a pejorative but uh and again i was thinking like well even when i was that young i was like well do you do we really want to hear the artists same stuff some people do right like the you mean for non-nostalgic reasons right yeah yeah some people you know we we love we love the sound that they represented way back when, but I don't know if content wise, we'd want to, I, I would want to listen to that now. And also thinking from an artist's perspective, it's gotta be boring to be writing the same stuff for so long. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, do you know that song by Akinelli? Put mm-hmm. it in your, put it, put yes. it in your mouth. Mm-hmm. I don't want to listen to that. Right. right. Dude, I'm almost 40 years old, bro. I'm not trying to listen to that, that track. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if that's what you're into, by all means, but yeah, you know, that's, that's not something I can't even like imagine trying to play that in the car. <laughs> like while the, while the kids are there, you know what I'm saying? Like just, just right. it's ridiculous. Right. And, and yeah, and your your sensitivities and your like, you just have a different mindset and it's not from a, a judgmental thing cuz everyone has to do, go through their growth, but there's uh, there's put it in your mouth and there's like um ain't no fun with Snoop right. Dogg. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I loved, love, love, loved as a song that I'm going to bump in my car, that I'm going to mm-hmm. bump on my CD player. Right. That we'd all hell get into if it got played at the club right right but it's like i can't even sing along to that anymore because i'm like i just feel terrible singing along to this. i'm not even judging no, it's, it's just it's, like i feel like this isn't the kind of language i that i i'm not even with the cussing i cuss all the time um but it's not even the, the, su- kind, the subject matter it's just like the, yeah the, right like the misogyny in that song right. is just yeah right yeah um you know, when we talk, initially when I, I, I see terms like dad rap and grown up rap and you know for me that that's not necessarily a bad thing I'd, 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 I would like to grow up and listen to the artists that I love grow up also yeah absolutely I mean that's that's the point I think of like of being a fan of an artist, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are bands out there that you may have liked 
at some point in your life. And as you grow older and as that, that band just kind of evolves, yeah. you know, it, it might not be in line with kind of where you're at anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there's a band or a, I mean, maybe that's, it's not quite when I talk about Kevin Smith. Yeah. You know, the Kevin Smith thing that I was talking about, how I can't really watch. There's some stuff I can't really watch of his anymore. Mm-hmm. That's more like the Akinelli comparison, right? Right. Um, but I'm trying to think if there's like a some sort of band or MC yeah. that I was really into and then just shifted. I don't know. Yeah. I have to I have to give that some thought. I think hip hop it's a little bit harder for that. Um because they still they know that commercially if they want to sell any records, they they do have to have some level of uh reachability to younger audiences, but maybe a group like I I don't listen to them, so I can't say, but like Pearl Jam. Hmm. Because obviously their sound when they first started was heavily the whole grunge. Yeah. Their style of grunge, but eventually their music had to change. Because grunge was such a niche of that early 90s era. Right. But I don't don't know enough about... I mean, I, I know that Eddie Vedder was... He put out some ukulele based album. I don't know, maybe five years ago. And obviously that's a big change to that original sound when he was probably what 20. I'm wondering if like, I was really into incubus when they, they came out like in the 99, 2000, 2001. And I remember following them for like maybe three or four albums straight and Mm -hmm. just being really into them. And then I just stopped. Like mm-hmm. I, I stopped kind of keeping up with what they were doing. And I'm I'm trying to remember why that happened. If it was mm-hmm. like I got into another band or, you know, but it's weird because I was like, I was really into them. I'd seen them a few times. And uh, another band that I really like, this Canadian band called uh, Metric, mm-hmm. like in the mid, mid 2000s, um, my roommate and I, were really into them. I saw them a few times as well. And then after one album, it just stopped. Yeah. You know, and, and wasn't like, maybe the, maybe the BC boys is probably the one that mm-hmm. I stayed through yeah. for a long, long time. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, and like, they definitely, they definitely evolved a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of experimentation. They start- it was, it was cool to just, you know, track their progress and, you know, you can tell they were really just like musicians because they wanted to try new things. And sometimes they wanted to kind of go back to the old school, you know, when they got Mixmaster Mike as their DJ is like, okay, cool. Like now that they, they can kind of do kind of a throwback sound, but with this new element. Right. Right. So the, the other thing about the dad rap that I was doing for research was, or looking for songs that reflected fatherhood 
mm-hmm. from reputable MCs. Again, not random dudes, dads that are just dad joking and rapping badly on YouTube. Right, right. And so there, <laughs> I, I mentioned this earlier, there's not too many of them on the list and most of them are pretty similar or the, 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 the same ones. There's retrospect for life, which is common in Lauren Hill. Mm-hmm. There's a few Eminem songs. Cause he always rapped about his daughter. Right. Uh, Haley, right. Haley. And, uh, just the two of us, Will Smith. Right. I, I know there's more and I feel like I probably need to figure it out myself. What I noticed about the songs that were available, whether they were not done by Nas or Jay-Z or other folks, is that a lot of the songs were done for like newborns hmm. or basically like their unborn child, like the lady, their woman, their wife is pregnant and then they're all excited and they have all these different things to tell them. And there's really a lot less things about older children um, and or how they particularly have changed. I'm pre- Maybe Eminem has covered that because he's pretty, you know, at some point he's rapping about his daughter because he does it so frequently. He probably talks about that stuff, but and it, how it relates to his obviously troublesome relationship with um, his Kim, right, um, right. the mom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it's interesting that that's usually where it ended with a lot of the the MCs, the artists, where they would be talking about their their kids in particular. Like they would focus a song on them. Well, what, do you think that's just because there's just more time, and there's you know you've got you know like the the baby is literally gestating, and so can your mm-hmm. so can your brain and your mind thinking about everything that's going to change. You think it's probably that, that. Yeah. Well, there's obviously the, there's a strong, there's a strong feeling of excitement and mystery and fear and everything. When, when you find out, uh, your lady's pregnant, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's one thing because it's a completely new, even if you already have a child, I, I assume that it's still kind of scary because, it just adds to a whole dimension of newness. Mm-hmm. And then for the giving birth pieces, and that's when it becomes real for a lot of, a lot of dads. That's what I've heard is that, you know, for the moms, a baby is real when they get pregnant. Cause then they have to carry the baby, obviously. Right. Yeah. And you're feeling but, she, the, the mom is feeling all that stuff like physiologically. Changes and sacrifice from the get. They are going through the crazy bodily changes and psychological changes and everything, right? Right. But for us, I've heard that for dads, sometimes um, it doesn't become real until the baby's born. Some of our friends have said that it didn't really become real, real, or that connection wasn't there until like three, six months, nine months, which kind of makes sense sometimes because sometimes the the you know for different babies are gonna they don't really respond to the dads until they're a little bit more conscious right yeah i mean and they're 
there's nothing that you're really giving them you know like you know with uh with a mother it's like the breast milk and then there's that skin to skin contact that i mean Mm -hmm. i guess dads could do it too but i I didn't yeah but we're not we're not crucial we're we're crucial but there's not that yeah like goal i mean i don't think you're gonna you're gonna necessarily bond with your baby just by changing them all the time or swaddling them up right like right right yeah they they physically need the moms yeah absolutely absolutely so Maybe that 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 is the reason. So I mean, maybe later on, it's just harder to put into words what they're going through as dads when, let's say, the baby's three years old, and then they they become seven or whatever. But it's not even a judgment. It's just it's just an interesting observation, and I, it, it's hard to say because I I don't know like I don't know. I haven't listened to a lot of Jay-Z's later records. The last one I've really listened to was the Blueprint 3 or the Kingdom Come after that. No, no, Blueprint 3. So I don't know how much he talks about or whatever. I know he has a song for Glory, their second child. Hmm. Um, and I know from listening to Nas more up through maybe like the, the late 2010s uh, or 2000s that he did bring up his daughter here and there but as dedicated songs um it was uh, he he actually did and he actually has a recent song called daughters that um talks about this dichotomy of having a basically a teenage daughter (laughs) Right. Oh, right yeah. And him having to reflect on like his reality that he's done some lady, like some girls dirty, right? Like being a player, messing around. Um, right. Just not, not being like gentlemanly. Right. And then now that she's to explore her sexuality, um, reconcile what he's done and also be like you know I did it but that doesn't mean I'm going to be okay with some dudes doing the same thing being you know being with you (laughs) kind of thing like this idea of like nah we should be better right Mm -hmm. actually a common theme too I was reading about with and I think it's pretty common with a lot of guys is that there's this lack of the for women and girls and their experience until they have a daughter um which you know came up in a lot of the different like various like politics issues like whether it's like um just various things where it's like oh i i, I didn't really have any sensitivity to this issue until i had a daughter sure well, that, that makes sense and so and, and it doesn't necessarily excuse some of it, but it, it it makes sense. But um, yeah. So there's a little bit of that too that I've either seen, listened to in songs, or read about some articles. But yeah, 
that was um, some of the things that I was kind of picking up as I was doing research for this episode. Well, were there any particular songs that like stuck out? Yeah. So for the daughter song was really cool. I didn't, I haven't listened to more recent Nas in a while. Nas is one of my favorite MCs, but I just haven't really been listening to as much recent stuff from him mm-hmm. or music period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not so much from this. Uh, actually, you know what the, um, the Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, Macklemore had a son, I think recently. And so he, but he, um, and that was pretty cool too. I, I'm a Macklemore fan. I think his, um, I mean, I, I dig his Ryan Lewis's sound and his delivery and all this stuff. And I know he's a little bit um, can be here and there sometimes, but I, the heist um, album is like one of them, was one of my favorites for a long time. But the another song that I was listening to even before we were doing this research, but then it's kind of part of this. Like I knew I wanted to cover this topic on episode at some point. Uh-huh. Um, was this from this MC? from i think he's from san diego named belief b-e-l-e-a-f okay and so his latest album i think it's his last album is basically about well it's not about fatherhood but he 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 puts it out there as in, in the title and it's not all about being a dad but obviously him strongest identities is being a dad but there's one song in particular that I was listening to one time I was um, driving to work called You're Okay. The title's You're Okay. And in it was this line that said, I'm the example of a man for you. A lot of weight. Whoa. That's a lot of weight. Whoa. That's a lot of weight. So thinking about that, that concept of I am the example of a man for you. Yeah. And I've, it, it hit me because that's something I've thought about when, uh, when Hung was pregnant. That w- when I was talking to the friends, because we didn't know if he was going to be a boy or a girl. But I'm like, well, if he's a boy, it's like, well, it's a great challenge for me because I get to help him grow up to be the kind of man that I think he should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I obviously have to be the role model for that and the, a big heavyweight, right? So that was a particularly... Um, well, can I ask you, though, like, how, would that have been different if Malcolm ended up being a girl? I think... Um, I think the... I think the role modeling of a human being would have been the same. Sure. The, the relationship or at least what I would represent, I think would be a little bit different because for me, and I remember particularly having a conversation with my friend Fahad, he has a son who's about a few months older than Malcolm. And we were just talking one day about this, really great privilege and responsibility and crazy thing about crafting, not crafting, but raising, raising young men 
there's a lot of mixed messages for young men. I mean, there's mixed messages for everyone, but there's mixed messages for young men. And I could identify with that be, being a man also. And there's lots of mistakes that I've made and lots of things that I've done that I, I would hope that he could learn from and obviously giving him some, some space that he has to learn some of this too. But, um, there's a lot of mixed messages for young men and it could really go toxic in terms of masculinity kind of, you know, pretty quickly. Right. Sure. Sure. Friend groups. Um, you know, we talked about sports before and I think we might've talked about it, but there's not necessarily a positive masculinity in a lot of sports, uh, culture. That's Um, very true. That's very true. Oh, it, it, a little bit more well for me being a man, knowing that I have to, I get the opportunity to raise a man at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Are there any songs that, you know, as we've been researching or things that you've, you've listened to in terms of hip hop that were very related, very much specifically related to fatherhood? that you listen to a lot? I don't think there's anything that I listen to a lot. And to be honest, you asked me this question earlier and I really couldn't think of anything off the top of my head except for one song. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's this super duper old school Mm -hmm. uh, hip hop song uh, by Ed OG and the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. And it's called uh, "Be a Father to Your Child," yeah. But it was more of a PSA than anything else. Right? <laughs> it, it, it was, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's definitely a PSA, and like the, it's probably not even like technically that good of a song, but for some reason when I heard it, and I mm-hmm. was, you know, I was like a, I was probably, it came out in nineteen ninety one. So I was probably, yeah, I was like in eighth grade when I heard it. And I remember like, I liked another song of energy and the bulldogs. Like I got to have it that had like a cool sample on it. So, you know, this was, you know, mentioning the whole pump it up show before, like this was probably one of the songs that, that I, one of the videos that played during that. Yeah. And, you know, I I don't think it necessarily resonated with me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know what? No, I take that back. I think it did kind of resonate with me because uh, that was a period of time where um, my dad really wasn't around. Like, you know, mm-hmm. parents got divorced. And then, so it was weird thinking about fatherhood in that context as opposed to thinking about this song now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably why it stuck with me and why I remember it um so well um and i remember i just like watched this video today and i was like man this is definitely a psa like even like the imagery that you're seeing is is a psa and um it's basically a lecture to <laughs> uh to play as to play as to make sure that you you know handle yeah. the shit if you get your lady pregnant 
you know, that's, that's, that's really all, all it's about. Yeah. And, you know, like, so that came out in 91, you know, Ed OG was born in 1970. So he's 21 when he came mm-hmm. out with this. And that kind of got me thinking, I was like, cause you're 21. You probably, maybe he had a kid or whatever. And he's got that, he's got that perspective, but that's pretty woke. You know, if you're 21 trying to like, yeah record this psa about yeah what it means to be a dad and why you should do it and why you need to just men up and and yeah you know, take, take care of business and like you know like even though the lyric even lyrically it's not mm. particularly complex or um but it's, it's very typical of the that era's yes drop in science that's true vibe right that's, that's definitely true definitely true i laughed when you said it was a lecture because i i actually i listened i i remember that song from way back when too from high school or middle school whenever or high sorry junior high when we heard it mm-hmm. first um night <laughs> and i was like man this is just a lecture <laughs> <laughs> it totally is dude yeah. it's it's an important message and it totally fits and you know, like, there's obviously there's and the imagery deeper is so, issues to talk about. Yeah. yeah, the the imagery is so on the nose too. Like there's a there's a a section where he's talking about, you know, being a dad just isn't about giving presents. It's like mm-hmm. having a presence. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's this guy who, you, there's yeah. this dude who comes in yeah. with a shopping bag and he takes out like a you know, stuffed animal and it, it it's just that's how it was in the nineties, man. Like the music videos were just yeah. so on the nose. Yeah. Have you seen that music video recently? Yeah. I just watched it today or some of it today. All right. Cause, cause you know, so... you brought it up, you brought it up and then I was right. like, Oh yeah, that's right. Let's, let's go look this up. Wasn't it strange how at some point it flipped from being a, a rap song video to like a color me bad Jodeci R and B video when he, he went from like, the black cap to a black shirt or whatever he's wearing to like some purple rayon. <laughs> did you notice that? I did notice that. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what just happened here? <laughs> yeah. That was, I mean, that's the awesomeness of the nineties of like, again, having no rules in, <laughs> in this, in the game, but whoa. Yeah, these guys are making the rules, man. These guys are making the rules. Yeah. I'm just rewatching it the right now, actually. Song in, They're it, like on the beach. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, oh, it's kind of like the Forever My Lady video, <laughs> except not wearing like these crazy big white shirts and air guitaring. Yeah, man. Those, sh- man, that's. Yeah. That's Rayon for show. Yeah. But that song hit. I mean, I, I, it, even if I didn't listen to that song period after 1991 through 1992, whenever they were playing it on the radio, I always remembered it. The whole, you know, hey, you'll yeah, be a yeah. father. If not, why bother, son? Yeah. Like a boy can. Yeah. A, a man. A, a boy can make one, but a man. Uh, what was it? Man can raise one. I mean, it, it's weird because I. I'm actually thinking back at are there any songs about fatherhood that 
actually have stuck with me. Like out, not that's mm-hmm. maybe that's not not even hip hop or whatever, but I right. can't think of any. Right. Like I guess the other thing I can think of, and it's just a, it's just top of mind because like of the Tupac movie, but like the Dear Mama, but that's different. That's about right. You know, actually, I'm I do remember another hip hop song about uh, fatherhood, kind of, mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of. It was um. It's kind of like a, along the same lines of from the point of view of a son, but mm-hmm. it's um, naughty by nature. Everything's going to be all right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was um, rough childhood. Mr. Mm-hmm. Tretch, Mr. Tretch had. That's how, that's one of my favorite songs, period. That sample is pretty dope, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like It's obviously a personal song, right? Yeah, for sure. And actually, talking about personal songs, I don't really listen to much of Kanye anymore, but then I didn't know. So there's a song that him and Jay-Z had on the Watch the Thrones album called New Day. And they're basically, uh, their lyrics are letters to unborn kids. Huh. Um, and I can't listen to the actual track because I think it's only on available on Tidal or if I buy it, but... There's a live version of it that's on YouTube. And as much as I really don't care for Kanye's um, rapping ability uh-huh. <laughs> and delivery um, and some of the content is like kind of weird, but it actually really emotional when you're watching them because it is like super personal, huh. which is for me you know, when we talk about all our pop culture, I think some of the storytelling and the things that we vibe with the most are the ones that are the most honest and, and personal. Right. For sure. And so, uh, yeah, I think the only version you can really listen to on YouTube is that performance version. If you, you want to check that out at some point. So that's pretty much it. The other, you know, the other song that I really like as a father, as a hip hop song about fatherhood is uh, a song from Zion I and the Grouch. Pretty much Zion I is not, it's basically the Grouch talking about the birth of his daughter. Uh-huh. And that I was, this was a way long time ago, but I was, I was not a dad. I wasn't even sure if I wanted to be a dad at some point, but I really love the song just because I think it's just because it was emotional and honest. And, you know, again, like as we've discussed that there's not a lot of songs about fathers being vulnerable with being fathers. Right. And it's a song that I would share with, I, I share with some of our friends that when they, when they had their firstborns that um, like that, some of them were kind of laughing at it, but <laughs> <laughs> which we probably at some point we should probably, we probably should have asked our friend Nate if he, he knew some hip hop and father songs since he is probably our most reliable hip hop. Oh, absolutely. Wiki, wiki to absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. missed opportunity, but we could hit them up still. That's all right. That's that's what the updates are for, or like the little check-ins right. at the beginning of the show. Um, mm. 
I was gonna ask you. This is kind of like a kind of like a digression, but so you yeah. mentioned a couple of times that you know you, you mentioned that you know there was a time where you weren't even sure if you wanted to be a dad, right? And I'm curious, like, are you saying that because at the time you had actually thought, oh man, I, I'm not sure if I want to be a dad, or it was just like. It was just a, the, the furthest from your mind. I was uh, the, the former. I was pretty much. I, so when I was through from high school through early 20s, I was pretty much on that emotional plane of like, yeah, I want to get married and have a kid. Right. <laughs> right. And then at some point, things changed where I'm like, yeah, I'm cool with the whole idea of marriage. I'm cool with um, not having, you know, I'm cool with having a kid. I, I, I kind of like, I, I love my own time. I love my own space, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. And obviously, that's a lot of that's being spoken when you're not necessarily, like none of that is real. You know, when you're in your late 20s and early 30s, None of that stuff is real unless you're actually in a relationship, right? Sure, Um, sure. That time period before I met Hung, there was like whatever random dating and stuff like that, and it was like, nah, I, I, and none of none of that those relationships necessarily lasted because I was like, the the um the folks were really cool, really smart, intelligent women, but I just wasn't feeling a long-term thing with them. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah but it was, at some point I was just like, nah, I don't, I, I think I'll, I'll be okay if I spend my life without having a kid. Gotcha. It wasn't gotcha. one of these like, yeah. Gotcha. No, was I was it. just, I was just curious because, you know, sometimes it's just like people say that, but it's not, without actually thinking about it kind of just like how you were saying that it, it it's not real because you're not in a you know but it's but it's interesting you know it's that there was like a conscious you had like mm-hmm. you were conscious about it yeah i remember talking to one of our friends michelle about this and i'm like yeah i think i'm, I'm i'll be okay if i wasn't if i didn't get married and didn't have kids and she was said, uh, kind of makes her sad, but I'm like, you know, you don't, <laughs> for me, it's not sad. It's just, for me, it's okay. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I, I understood where she was coming from, but for me, I was like, no, I'm, it's, it's cool. Everyone has a different path. It doesn't, for me, it didn't necessarily mean that I had to do the whole marriage and kid thing. And again, this is a totally different time of my life. And then, now having Malcolm, right? We 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 made the decision. It said, "Yes, let's um, let's work towards having one." Right. 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 What are you drinking? I'm drinking Willits Rye. Okay. Um, the the details. I could grab the bottle, but what are you drinking? Um. It's this uh, local bourbon called Lost Republic. We have this local kind of upscale 
liquors and spirits store in um, downtown South City. And Tess visited one time and picked up a pretty cool bottle. The people there are like super knowledgeable, and then I think they were saying that it's, like it's local, it's small batch, and I was like, she just picked it up. It's pretty good. It's almost gone, so I gotta go back there. Yeah, she. There's a wine shop that she was asking about different things, and this is one of the bottles that the the shop owner suggested. So she bought it. Nice, nice. Do you want to talk about? things that you're into right now yeah so um you know you've been last couple last few episodes you've been talking about kind of the graphic novels and comics that you're that you've been reading and um mm-hmm. you know jenny's in preschool now and it's right basically the classroom's right next to the library so yesterday tuesday i just sometimes i go to the library and um I just look for books that just just like that are on the shelf. I pick it up and I read and 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 if 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 it looks interesting, I'll like check it out without even doing yeah. a review if it's good or yeah. or whatever. So I happened I was curious about uh the graphic novels that they had. So yeah. I just the the attendant just walked me through the section and I was just kind of like I picked up like 3 Three books. Which ones? Let's see. The first one is called Mind Management by Matt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Matt. By Matt Kind. Kind. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read the foreword by Damon Lindelof, and I was like, all right, cool. I'll check it out. It's a library, dude. You, you know, I'm not, I'm not spending any money, so I could try it out, see if I like it. Right, right. The next one is um, Brian Lee O'Malley, Lost at Sea. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and the last one is "Sculptor" by Scott McCloud. Scott McCloud. Uh, I have not read that one. It is. It's. It sounded like it was an interesting premise. It's basically. Uh, he. Well, let me just read this to you. It says, uh, David is giving his life for his art, literally. Thanks to a deal with the, with death, the young sculptor gets his childhood wish to sculpt anything he can imagine with his bare hands. But now that he, but now he only has 200 days to live, deciding what to create is harder than he thought, and discovering mm-hmm. the love of his life at the 11th hour isn't making it any easier. <laughs> So as a creative person, that kind of yeah. stuck out. So have you read those books? Any of them? I've read Lost at Sea. I have met Mind Management, so I've read, I think, maybe the first episode of it, or episode, first issue of it, mm-hmm. but I haven't finished it. Um, but Matt Kent is pretty... Uh, He's he's writing a lot of some mainstream stuff now. He he wrote my management before before he made it quote unquote made it big. But um, gotcha. I read some of his other stuff, which is um, interesting. Lost at Sea, I definitely read 
from Bartholomew O'Malley. I, I believe that came out before he released the Scott Pilgrim books. Um, and Bartholomew O'Malley we've talked about because I was reading the second his seconds book. But I haven't read. I haven't had any kind of um, touch at all, like with Scott McCloud's um, sculptor book. I'm kind of looking at the preview right now on Amazon. Looks interesting. Yeah. So I'm not particularly a graphic novel or comic book person, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, I've read like The Watchmen, and I was yeah pretty enamored with the watchman actually um with just it was cool that they were doing that with the medium like i i didn't know that that was something that you would even want to even try and do Um, Mm -hmm. you know the whole like where it goes from the actual like just story and then into the like the historical documents or like the case files and stuff and i was like yeah that's cool that's really really cool yeah yeah that's one of the books that kind of flipped the the industry on his head um because it 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 challenged the boundaries of the definition of superheroes yeah yeah you actually you know a long time ago you ruined a book for me oh i did (laughs) yeah that at the time i was like okay, whatever, but then it actually, it, it totally makes sense, and I, I'm, I'm totally with you now with it. Um, I was I was, reading, I was reading The Walking Dead before, uh-huh. and, I, I, and I loved it a lot, just more from the concept of, this is before zombies were really making it big into mainstream um, yeah. storytelling, but the idea of The Walking Dead before the TV show, when it was just the book, and the idea of, there's people living surrounded by zombie, some kind of zombie apocalypse or whatever, but being like, who's the walking dead talking about? Is it the people who's surviving or is it the people who are now zombies? Right. Yeah. But, um, we talked about it before and then you read it and you're like, well, it's a little bit way too like expository. Yeah. (laughs) And then I'm like, initially I'm like, Oh, Dude, but the book's awesome. And then I was kind of annoyed, but then I, I read it again. I'm like, yeah, dude, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's it's ruined how I read how I read um, that particular writer's books. There's other books that he's written I, I like also, and there's one that's on uh, on Cinemax called Outcast, and I read that and better. But yeah, there's way too many like Shakespearean soliloquies in um, Walking Dead. <laughs> My bad. I mean, I, <laughs> hey, like no. I, I enjoyed the story and what was happening in it. I, yeah, but from a, there was like, I mean, it, it's it's harder with comic books because then you don't have, you don't have silent con- context, although some, one of my favorite writers, you were, I love his, um, his, captionless uh yeah. panels yeah yeah you were saying you had mentioned that before right like yeah um i'm not sure if i mentioned it, but brian wood he's one of my favorite writers um and but yeah he he has a lot of captionless panels that 
speak a lot. There's a lot of sound that you can that he allows for people for readers to imagine. But um, Robert Kirkman, who writes Walking Dead, obviously he's really talented because he's making hella money selling properties. <laughs> but um, yeah, after you said that, I'm like, yeah, you're right. This is just way too much like telling me the story right now. <laughs> um, didn't Joss Whedon's X Men that had some captionless panels too, right? I think so. That that his he did twenty four issues of um a run for extraordinary X Men and um he did, yeah, he had he was more judicial with his um, character or his dialogue and his character yeah, building. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they have, they have different styles. Obviously, Kirkman is probably doing that on purpose. Um, right, right. And actually, the story behind Walking Dead was that Kirkman, I think, was working on that as his nighttime gig. Like, he had a day job, oh. um, decided he wanted to get into comic books, and then he, that was one of the things he was writing, like, on the side. Um, so he's probably still pretty raw with the whole writing a sure. No, so I mean, it is it is what it is. It was like you know, again, it was. I like what was going on in it, and you know, some of the some of the stuff that happens actually on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like what I just wanted to know what the plot was, but I don't want to spend an hour listening to the writing. Yeah. That show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm out. I'm out on uh, Walking Dead. I've been, no, I, I've, I've been out. Yeah, I've been out too for maybe two seasons or a season and a half. Yeah. There's too much death porn in that in that show. And also, like, too much inconsistency. There was, they had really, like, you know, that's one of the shows that if they had a good show, it was, like, ridiculously good. And then when they had a mediocre show, it was just painful and boring <laughs> to watch. That kind of inconsistency plus the death porn just kind of um, got to me. And the thing I was telling my friend who was still watching it, I'm like, in a comic book, it makes sense. You could kill characters and replenish easily because it's a it, it's a different medium. But for TV, when you're when you're deciding to commit to a story for multiple seasons and you're getting rid of really good characters that you've built up, you're treading a really thin, you're, you're treading really light, you know, like thin yeah, water. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and for me, eventually I just got like tired of it. So I just bounced. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, what about you? What it, is there anything you're into right now? I just actually finished the first volume of this book called Sheriff of Baghdad, which is also another book written by Tom King, who I've talked about before. He wrote Batman and um, the Vision book. And it was really interesting because it's, it's basically about a former intelligence officer. I think he worked for the FBI who went to post 9-11 Iraq to help train the police force there. 
So it's a story about Iraq. And the thing is with Tom King as a writer, he actually worked for the CIA right. in Iraq after, right. um, yeah. And so he's obviously writing some of this from his real life perspective or real life experience. And so it's a political slash, uh, so- somewhat political slash um, crime story. And his dialogue and these character moments, he's just, He's just ridiculously good at it, at least from my perspective. So that's been cool. I've been reading that this week and I've been trying to catch up to other books, including the writer I mentioned, Brian Wood. He he bounces around. He has some of his own properties, but he also wrote a 12 issue run of a Aliens um, related property. And um, that took a while to kind of get into a few issues but once it got rolling i was really into it which is kind of typical for some of his books hmm. but that's what i've been I, i've been reading i've been watching tv and stuff like that and i am on i'm i'm in the beginning stage beginning episodes of season two of leftovers aha uh-huh. yeah actually yeah. you know I, I, let me talk about the leftovers real quick and maybe you could kind of clarify for me the what I noticed with or maybe maybe it was a very obvious theme, but I didn't pick up on it because I had watched the um, watched the TV show in kind of uh, in different phases and different times. But there's a very strong um, theme about uh, children and their relationships with the main characters because all the children are pretty much um co-stars right they're 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 side characters yes and then there's a really strong at least in season one there's a really strong disconnect between the children and the parents mm-hmm. at least after um the disappearance or what, what whatever they call it the departure Uh, yeah the departure and then like in beginning of season one or season two the main character the main family that we we meet Mm -hmm. they as a family have a really strong relationship right like right it seems mom and dad and the kids are happy with each other and all that stuff and there's that contrast and obviously i'm only on most of episode two so is that is that like a hell obvious theme that I just totally missed because I watched it in in different pieces? No, I don't. I mean, I'm trying to think if no, I, I wouldn't say it's like a super obvious theme. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really about like the relationship. Relationship. The relationships do play a huge role in you know in the story and then. And how and how the characters develop throughout the series and stuff. Um, okay, but probably less so in season three. Okay, yeah, it's a good show. <laughs> it took a while to get into it, but no, it, dude, it's, it's it's that's totally true. It does take a while to get into it, but like yeah. once it hits its stride, dude, like yeah, 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 dude, yeah, have, man, have, have fun with that. It's it's great.
do you want to start with the dad moment? I don't really have a huge one, but it's kind of piggybacking off of a, a dead moment from like a, a couple episodes ago. Remember how I was saying that uh, I knew that I became the bad guy when. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? There was <laughs> there was, a, a, I think, a moment over the last couple of weeks where. Uh, I just we were at home and I just got frustrated with with Jeannie. She was either not listening to me or just talking back or whatever. And then I think I just I didn't I'm not sure if I snapped, but then I just was just like, okay, fine, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I just stopped talking to her. Mm. And then uh, it's funny. I think she she knows now, right? Like, that. Um, when I'm feeling upset or whatever, so then she'll ask me. She's like, "Hey, Daddy, are you are you sad or happy?" <laughs> <laughs> so then, and you know, sometimes I'm like, "Oh, neither. I'm fine. I'm fine." You know, <laughs> but it's funny. I think it's it's happened probably a few times over the last few weeks where um you know it happened once and i was totally fine and there was it definitely happened one time when i was a little upset with her and uh yeah it's pretty funny dude just her just noticing now and um just being able to read read me right right uh so it's you know and oh and now I'm just going to add another quick one. Um, she has her own Spotify playlist now, right? All right. Called Ginny's Jams with a Z. And <laughs> it's basically all these uh, music videos that she really likes on YouTube. So, you know, pop music. So there's like a few Bruno Mars okay. songs on there. There's like Megan Trainer, and then there's like Taylor Swift. But then some of those songs actually have like shit, the word shit in it. <laughs> um, so now she's like saying it. Oh, and shoot. <laughs> we're not quite sure if she understands the context. Right. Um, but so she's just singing along and then she'll say it and it's, it's just funny. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> great. Because then now she's going to start singing it in the in the grocery store. Yep. You know. Or daycare. Or uh preschool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's it. <laughs> but hey, whatever, man. She yeah, whatever, man. She didn't learn those words anyway. For for real. She might as well, you know, learn them now and know how to know how to use it but not say it. <laughs> I know. That's funny. Does she change her behavior when she knows that you're upset? She does. To try to, I to think try so. to you know, gain gain your favor back. Yes, in fact. Um sometimes she knows that when she's being like bratty mm-hmm. and then I react negatively to how she is being bratty. Yeah. After a few minutes, she'll come down and she'll be like, Oh, daddy, I'm not sad anymore. Or Ginny's happy. Ginny's happy now, you know. So right. I think she'll use that to try and like pull me out of 
the the fury that I'm in. And that's not fury. It's just, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Your stance. Yes. And after that, it's, <laughs> and after that, it's all good. Yeah. That's funny. Well, she's learning, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> definitely learning some stuff. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Uh, I was trying to decide between two. I think the the one that I that hasn't been like a lot, and I think it's um they're reacting to things. But he turned ten months two days ago. Well, actually, yesterday. Um, well, two days ago because it's, it's one o'clock in the morning. But uh, and it's just crazy how fast um things go in the in the 10 months like Mm -hmm. dude you're you're double digits Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and it's there's so many things that he's gone through in the past 10 months that as parents we're never gonna get to experience again unless we have another kid but we're pretty much we're sure that we're not going to have another kid. Um, so, you know, like just obviously there's some struggles, but then just like cute moments or just, just other moments when we're like, you know, he's never going to be in that stage where we could wrap him up, put him down on one of the seats and he's just going to say random things and then cry for milk. Right. 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 <laughs> um, and then there's other things that are like, are really cool and then they just last for like two weeks um for a while he was he would respond to me when um i would do clicking noises um and he'd respond to hung too but then a lot of it was initially for me so we're like right and so he would he would do that too but he's not doing that anymore um the he'll still do it now, but this whole, you know, breaking up food into small pieces and him, um, eating it specifically out of the tips of our fingers. Yeah. Um, he's still doing it now, but you know, it's, that's not going to last that long. Um, so it's just kind of amazing. It's kind of cool. I'm not sad at all about any of that stuff. Cause it's, um, and he's developing and stuff like that but it's just kind of interesting to think about like man there's so much that's happened in the past 10 months (laughs) there's so much that's happened in 10 months and like it's it's like we're never going to experience it again Um, (laughs) with him too obviously right um yeah and that that was it it's kind of like when you're reflecting on that it's just um you know a lot a lot of you guys, a lot of our friends said, you know, be present, you know, have fun with it and be, be there and kind of absorb it because it's, it it's such a short amount of time and it really is a short amount of time. It's like, can't believe it's 10 months already. Yeah, dude. It, yeah. It does go by like super fast. Um, yeah. It, you know, I'm sure you, you know it already, but you're probably going to, that thought is going to pop into your head countless times over the next, probably the rest of your life. 
about how quickly time has passed and how big, you know, Malcolm's gotten. And mm-hmm. yeah, dude, like, yeah, it's crazy, man. It is. And I'm sure we're going to miss some of it. And I, I could totally see how parents, after having a first one, want to have a second one just because that this period in life is so, is so short that they want to experience it again. Um, we're not on that page, but <laughs> <laughs> I could definitely see how people could get um, enamored by that. Yeah, that's that's why that's that's why it's cool when your friends and your like siblings or cousins have babies. So then you can at least mm-hmm. get a taste of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. He's he's um a lot of fun. <laughs> he's and and he's taking it easy on us as for first time parents. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Good. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of Pop Culture. Um, I want to give a shout out to all those who have subscribed and continue to uh, listen to us talk about our musings about fatherhood and all the random entertainment that we like to consume. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it as much as uh, as we are. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and us any feedback. We we appreciate the comments, the um, the responses to some of the things that we're talking about. Um, yeah, absolutely. Please rate, please subscribe, rate, review, anything you want to do. Uh, share with other people. Yeah, please share on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Yeah, um, and actually, you know what? For as a as something that you could suggest to us. Um, Something we do want to get into in the future, the, the near future, is uh, dad revenge films. So if you have any suggestions, yeah. um, I brought that up today. Norm. I brought that up today as yeah. a potential topic, but I think we were we wanted to do that, a lot more research. But yeah, so we're looking at dad revenge films, and that was uh, that came up because of the trailer for the new Jackie Chan film called The Foreigner. Um, mm-hmm. so if you haven't seen that yet, we'll probably post it on, uh, on, on our Twitter account. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah it, so if you have any suggestions, hit us up. Do you have any on the, off the top of your head? Well, commando. Yeah, that's exactly. One. Okay. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Cause yeah. we're, we're on the same wavelength for that then. Commando <laughs> is... Commando's yeah, the shit, man. I have not watched it in like over a decade or more, so I need to watch that again. Alyssa Milano. I know, a young, but young she, Melissa. She was still kind of young in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. All right, so that's going to do it. Once again, I'm Anton. I'm John. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Peace. Peace.